So it's come to this. We're back, and things are still crazy. And <laughs> things are still bad. Things are bad still, and we have to continue our theme of cops and how bad they are and how everything's worse and too believable. And this, and this is a movie podcast. <laughs> this also. is a movie podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric, and uh, we're just... No other theme feels appropriate or as relevant right now uh, as much as I would love to do some summer camp murders. Oh, yeah. Like, that sounds pretty good right now, but I there's other stuff to talk about. And tonight, we have kind of a special one, a little treat, because <laughs> it's a documentary on the typical life it's, of uh... every cop. <laughs> it's an inside view into yeah. your average Joe cop on the street. Just like your basic cop. Uh, we're talking about 1992's Bad Lieutenant. The median of cops. <laughs> this is the line. This, this is, is the could-be-worse lieutenant. Yeah. Not great. Not great, but not this great is lieutenant. a pretty accurate representation of, of every cop. I hope not, man. <laughs> I hope not. This is a, a bad, bad dude. Uh, Harvey Keitel is our bad lieutenant. Yeah, and, I think uh, this is the f- this is probably the first Harvey Keitel uh, movie we've, we've um, had pop up. Maybe. He made a brief appearance in The Irishman. We might have mentioned him. Possible. Okay. Uh, Unconfirmed. But, uh, but starring Keitel? This is Absolutely. big. I mean, this is... You don't get more of a starring role. He is the bad lieutenant. And this is infamous for him. As far as sure. a spot on his career, it's it's a high high mark, high water mark. But, yeah, well, but one of those kind of like, just you can't believe he went and did it. This is the kind of stuff that people you know think Joaquin Phoenix is doing today. You know, this kind of uh, taking your bit of clout from one year and then doing a passion project kind of thing the next. And Harvey Keitel was a you know famous regional actor definitely like had been a leading man and was a well-respected actor but it's not like he was a mainstream star sure he was a new york actor supporting stuff in scorsese yeah movies acclaimed but you know always new york stuff yeah yeah, for sure and the year before this he gets an actual oscar nomination for bugsy you know the uh the warren Beatty, really uh, vegas one yeah oh he got like a supporting actor uh nomination so I don't know if I know that movie. It's a cool one. Yeah, Bugsy Siegel. Okay. The Vegas expansion. But it's told a little more glitzy than Casino. Gotcha. That's for the the future Bugsy episode, 53. You've got my uh, uh, curiosity peaked. So yeah, Keitel's this longtime respected, you know, regional actor. uh, Big movies, but regional. Who gets his Oscar nomination, which some consider even just a, you know, that's a career achievement. Oh, that's big. That's on the map. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's the nomination. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, big time. Even, you know, Chloe Sevigny, boom, Oscar nomination. You know, take it to the bank. 
So it's just that, that they put that on the credits. Oscar nominated. Yeah. You know, it's a cool thing Oscar for the actors. Nominated. That's that's a thing that I'm still into. A, a bit of tip of, tip of the cap. Yeah, and so Harvey Keitel takes that, and then he immediately puts money into Reservoir Dogs, and then puts himself into this. That's his next two projects after getting the Oscar nomination. Pretty boss, if you and, ask me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a one-two punch. Oh man, it's all time. This movie is tough. Bad Lieutenant is hard. Yeah. See, we've had a spate of uh, bad moms and bad uh, teachers, so I was really expecting you thought this was, comedy. This was like Bad Santa. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, sure. I love Billy Bob. Oh, yeah. Harvey Keitel? Okay, Keitel, I can do that. I can see Keitel. I can see him doing something funny. All right. Yeah. I'll give this a shot. And... Uh, it, I guess I had the wrong impression. No. <laughs> so that's not true, right? This is not me when that's I correct. when I saw Dreamgirls and was like, I had no idea this was a musical. No, and now yeah, I'm right. stepped in it. No, I I'd always uh, actually had never. I've never seen this. movie. You've never seen it until and I'm today. Fascinated, so I, I want to hear more about that. We just watched it, but uh, when I said infamous, that's how I think of it because sure. it's always been a movie I've heard so much about uh, because of all the shocking bad stuff that we may or may not really get into the details Maybe not but the, the deep of it there's yeah. some there's some intense uh lines crossed kind of scenes here where he as a cop really uh i wanted to be sympathetic to this guy throughout <laughs> but then you just really crossed lines where it's like no you're just you're you're a lost soul man you're yeah this you're is out there this is so, so tough i'd always heard about the movie but had never Got the guts, maybe even to, right. to sit down. Well, and, this and movie, like you said, it. you said the phrase crosses the line. Depending on when someone would see this movie in their movie watching life, this movie can have a lot of firsts on the screen. Yeah, stuff like intravenous drug usage just out in full display. You know, uh, non actors pushed mm-hmm. to the hilt and long drawn out uh actor studio kind of performances a lot of method kind of stuff real time yeah activity. a lot of real time acting yeah and just the controversy that this movie created without while being a small thing mm-hmm. you know it just had it was that movie that was i heard about when i was you know 11 12 just because we would get the sunday chronicle paper with the big entertainment section sure i remember seeing this was the first time i saw the nc-17 i had no idea what it was right never even never knew that was a thing now that is a first right there that's a first that's big yeah that is a first for this podcast and probably for a lot of people this would have been the first nc-17 rated uh movie that they would have seen or even known about i didn't know that was a thing i had to ask what it was right like, ask what my is the dad N- what does the nc does mean even mean it looked like an error yeah you know? <laughs> right <laughs> and so uh so that's like first but you think you look at the rest of this movie and with the hard drug use male nudity you know that was not as in vogue during this era <laughs> uh can i tell was a pioneer in the male nudity well he brought it back it was. It got more common in the late '60s, early '70s sure, kind of sure, thing, sure. you know. Uh, he brought it back. Kaitel brought brought the dick back, and uh, like a lot, 
Like he did that a lot. <laughs> like like it became a thing. Like he uh, got used to it, right. and then was like, "I'm making this my thing." Like Arnold saying, "I'll be back." Yeah, but it's showing your dick on screen instead. I mean, I guess we can use that in the Running Man. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing. To, yeah, I'll be back. Okay, it'd be like Arnold being like, "Also, my dick." I have to be full frontal <laughs> at least thirty seconds on screen. <laughs> wow. We weren't yeah. going there, but he's a, yeah, he's a draw though. So that's Kaitel, you know? yeah. That's what he's. That's what people want to see. Yeah, when they watch the Kaitel. But this movie, I'm an idiot. Let me tell you. <laughs> so the movies we were gonna do a couple episodes ago before we got, you know, differently inspired, differently interested. Yeah. We're gonna be a couple Safdie brothers movies, including Uncut Gems. So we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, we were gonna do that in good time. Yeah. Both on the prime. So those will come. Those will come soon. But I was sitting up there saying, man, I'm just really, I don't think I could do Uncut Gems right now just because I was so anxious through that whole movie. And I'm not really trying to trick myself into being anxious right now. I don't need it. Right. So then I go and suggest Bad Lieutenant, which is like the darker version of Uncut Gems. Like cl- very closely, yeah. Pulled if, from. If you did not want to watch a movie that uh, spends most of its running time watching a gambling addict uh, win or lose based God. on listening to a playoff series play out in real time, like Uncut Gems, then uh, don't watch Bad <laughs> Lieutenant either because it's shockingly it, similar. It's the same vibe, only if Howard was. A hardcore drug abuser as well, <laughs> right? Which with is with just, a license to carry a gun, yeah, and use it, it is just Howard. It's the worst possible Howard, man, and it's so stressful. This movie is an unpleasant view. It's uh, not easy, and it's not trying to be. Absolutely, so it's, uh, it wants you tense. Yeah, so I love this movie, and I was the one that <laughs> now uh, regretfully brought it up. And suggested yeah. it strongly. And uh, now I'm happy about it. But I want to know more about you. Because <laughs> I have no idea what you knew about this movie other than right. it's notorious. And I know it's notorious and it has a famous Kaitel performance. Because this is your first time seeing it. I knew it was, uh, I mean, I knew it was going to be bad. It's yeah. going to start out bad Actually, and then that, get worse. Like, you were I knew saying earlier today, you were kind of feeling just like, I'm kind of dreading. There was a little dread, yeah, because I had heard about the the scene uh, with the two girls that okay. he pulls over. Oh yeah, and uh, which gets but, harder but, every. But time. you can hear about something and then actually watch the scene play out, and it's a very different. Uh, oh yeah, thing. But yeah, knowing that he was a hardcore drug user, and uh, you know, other than that, I didn't really know that there was a case that he was actually following. Right. There's a uh, a parallel plot that's inter- that's weaving through there, and I did not know that he had this gambling thing going on. <laughs> yeah, you just thought he had other problems so, that are already super serious. So I, I did not know baseball was going to play such an important, you know, slumber party massacre esque role. I love it in this movie as it did then. I a lot al- of baseball talk, which I love. So I, I was all about that. I <laughs> always forget how much this movie is. Uh, this is like probably my third time seeing it, and I always just forget how much it is. I forget how much baseball talk there is. Right. I forgot how bad the sexual violence is. 
Both scenes of that are very harrowing. I forgot just how much all of it is. You know, just all how st- much. Yeah. Right? I always in re- italics. I forgot how much Mad Dog Chris Russo is oh, in it. Right off the bat. We get so much Russo in the first half hour. I mean, that's a that's a feather in your cap for a regional sports radio. <laughs> that's some clout to carry around. That's New York. Yeah. This is a very New York movie. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking in our last episode about RoboCop, about how we like this different crime setting. It's different than New York. It's slightly different. But now, New York is New York, man. It reads on film. It reads imposing as hell to me. Always is scary. Even in, uh, this would have been, what, 90? Uh, Yeah, it was probably filmed in 91, 92. Yeah, because I know New York uh, being grimy and, and dirty in the 70s and 80s. But yeah, even into the 90s, it was still... Ferrara really was the guy that went after the 90s grime. Mm. Like, King of New York, and then this, and then even, you know, the black and white uh, addiction. Like, his early 90s was the 90s grimy look at New York. His mo- Most of his stuff is bleak like this. I, yeah. I think the only other yeah, movie yeah, yeah. Of, of his that I've seen is The Driller Killer from early which 80s. Is, which is bleak in a different a, way. a very dark movie. But way more exploitative. Itself, than, yeah. Uh, a lot of his other stuff got much smarter. Especially yeah. those three I mentioned. Those those are all excellent. But this one definitely had that lustig, kind of grimy feel. Totally. Um, same with maybe, a, maybe an early Scorsese, you know, Mean Streets. Yeah. Kind of just really on the pavement kind of feel to it. Well, Scorsese really loves this movie. This is one of his oh, favorites. Oh, cool. I, and he was, I he's see that. A, one of the biggest champions of the movie. And it really does feel just like a similar Scorsese cast mm-hmm. with a different vision, with a little different vision of the same exact New York. Ferrara and Scorsese are probably nearly exactly the same age. So they're coming from slightly different vantage points, but not much. Right. And then also just uh, the scene with the nun mm-hmm. uh, felt Argento and yeah, bright you know. colors and sharp angles. And so there are these flourishes and flares, uh, flares of uh, there's a, a lot of there's a lot of religious subtext in this movie. I didn't know it was going to happen. And then there's like these fantasy, or just religious text, or just yeah, not subtext <laughs> at all, but pure on the paper text. Yeah. But then also kind of mirror uh, partnering that with like this Christ imagery that's very fantasy. This is so among- there's a lot of things actually going on within this like kind of grimy Scorsese you know esque. There's you know, scenes that look New straight York out of it's crazy Last Temptation of Christ. That's in this true. movie. There's that too, yeah. There, there's no illusions. There is Christ is a character but it kind of in was this movie. Even making me think of uh, more like the, not altered states, but that kind of, there's just that, a little slant on it at, at moments. I love what a movie can do with that kind of color manipulation in just the slight jarring ways. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the nun suddenly... This movie is bleak and dark and dimly lit. And then, you know, foggy, muggy mornings. Right. And then you get this awful scene in the church. And it's lit through all these different stained glass lighting. So it looks more like a Billy Squire video. (laughs) And all these like soft pinks and purples. And it's just so different and weirdly softly jarring while well, this awful you know like you said this weird giallo-esque 
Yeah. But like a harder edged giallo plays out. And then these images Neo of giallo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. New York <laughs> giallo. The, uh, and the images of Christ are all suddenly in this brighter daylight. Right. That looks nothing like the rest of the movie, but very brief, very It's like quick. its own vision that the character maybe is yeah. having. Or... That's why it looks like it's just from another medium entirely. Right. Yeah. If you had told me, <laughs> well, actually, he just pulled that from a different movie yeah. altogether, I'd been like, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah. But he, <laughs> the he... second unit on that is like, we're doing an Abel Ferrara movie. <laughs> all right. Put but Jesus yeah, on the cross. But yeah, it doesn't... But it doesn't linger on it. It's such a quick, cool shot that it does, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of good art choices in this movie. Right. And there, there's, the, yeah, there's so much grime and uh, just bad things happening. But there's that, just enough of that art, I think. Yeah. To go with it, to keep you, to keep me interested This in a way that just kind of pure, you know, exploitation... Uh, this is a little bit too Maybe smart doesn't. and too art to be that kind of grindhouse hit like yeah. other movies from like this couldn't have been Death Wish. I don't think. This this took those kind of movies and gave it a a harder stance mm-hmm. and a less fun stance. <laughs> yeah. A movie not, like not sexy at all. Even right? a movie like Death Wish which did have, you know, a message and was inspiring to a lot of New Yorkers. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe not the right message, but yeah, uh, but it it had a following devoted like that. And then you get into the '80s, and there's similar reactions to movies like The Exterminator. You know, these vigilante movies like Vigilante. Even mm-hmm. that'll be next week. <laughs> <laughs> those movies got like a following in those cities because, like, yeah, it's inspiring. And this is like a vigilante movie that nobody can have fun with. It's not going to get that kind of following. Right. This is painting an unfortunate light. This is a movie that makes no, no. you question <laughs> even the tiniest things you do. Exactly. No, yeah. No No young man is going to be radicalized and be like, you know what? Bad lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> this guy knows where it's at. Now, this is a character that's just depraved. I mean, mm-hmm. he's so far down the drug hole by the time we even see him that I wasn't even sure what his relationship was to anyone in the room at any time. That's one of the wildest things about this movie is this movie is nothing (laughs) but conversations in dimly lit tiny apartments with Harvey Keitel being our joining force and you never knowing his relationship with any other human being. He looks like he is just crashing on 18 different couches he keeps just waking up in some strange different places and it's like but oh, no this must be his house because that looks like his family but he's never treated as a guy who shouldn't be there no one talks to him or like really he just looks wakes at him. up kind of somewhat noticed in just every different level of squalor to somewhat nice yeah it's so weird and it's so dismantling well and <laughs> early in the early on in the movie he is like running towards some hoods and they kind of scatter and he chases the one hood up the stairs. Yeah. Only to then, you think he's like going after him to catch him or something because he's a cop. Yeah. No, he's going up there to smoke crack with the guy and then to sell him some coke. Yeah. Like sell this guy drugs and then be like, cut it up, give me back the money. Yeah, this is like... That's that's the official police business they have, that he's up This to. guy's already so deep in it as a cop that he and... Like a crack dealer 
have a play worked out right where they can talk in private and scatter the others while he pretends to be a cop making a but like they got their routine down yeah. he's already so deep into it this is this is a plan that they've done well the i like that kind of hint at it before it happens when you see the hood running up the stairs kind of towards the camera and he's kind of like you can tell he's only half running right so it's just like what so i love that it's revealed to be a bit but the fact that this dude has a bit (laughs) (laughs) he has a worked out well-rehearsed bit with this dude to do these kind of exchanges that is deep we start deep in this movie and then just to like kind of follow that dude real quick there's a scene later where he goes to get the money that the guy owes him yeah and that guy is like, oh, he comes to his house, and he's that guy's the nicest person to him. Oh yeah, the entire movie. He's like, come in, make yourself at home, sit down. He's sitting next to the guy's mom. Yeah, and the she's, mom's friendly and, and not like uncomfortable with him. Right. Well, at <laughs> at first, eventually, yeah. yeah eventually. At first, I couldn't tell because he's sitting there just tweaking out of his mind because he's just done some crystal meth or something probably. So that's- Harvey Keitel does every drug. In this Dude, movie. every drug. It's Hunter man. S. Thompson to the extreme. This kind guy of stuff. is in it. Uh, so yeah. So then, even that with that lady, like you didn't know, and then she gets like gives her gives her a kiss. Yeah. So it's well, like so... they're obviously like fam. It's just like so, so one bizarre. Way way big different uh, aesthetic in between Uncut Gems and this is eighty percent of the people in Uncut Gems fucking hate Howard. <laughs> Yeah, the people that like Howard are Howard for life. Everybody else is so tired of Howard, even within minutes of meeting him. Right, people just tolerate him, <laughs> and he's just riding that line. Whereas at worst, people in Bad Lieutenant seem kind of indifferent to Harvey Keitel. He otherwise seems, you know, not unrespected. At least with the drug dealers. Yeah, well, I think a lot with of the other... drug dealers, with with a lot of the other cops, yeah, yeah, are into him. Yeah, and the... even his family, while it doesn't look like a great situation, his kids like him. Mm-hmm. You know, his boys, even though he's hard with them, they respect him and they like him. So with Howard, everybody hated Howard. That's true. Except except old Julia, the queen. So everybody else, though, anti Howard. This one, Harvey Keitel is. At the worst we've ever seen a human. And people are like, well, you know, he has his things. Strange. It almost makes it even worse. Then, it does. Because you, you you almost wonder, like, how did he get so far down this hole what of self-destruction? Led him there? You know? Yeah. Because he is just self It's almost like it made me think a lot of Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las yeah. Vegas, where well, he just... Wants to kill himself with alcohol, and yeah, this seemed like Keitel was going for it, man. Dude, this is he crazy. couldn't go five minutes Mm-mm. without something going up the nose or <laughs> yeah. drinking a drinking the uh, vodka in the church. This is one of it's those like, take a nap, dude. <laughs> one of those kind of movies, like where you hear about the actor just like not able to act for a year afterwards, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I could see it. Like Isabella Johnny in uh, what the possession, hmm. and you watch this like just screaming, emotional, chaotic performance, you know, or stuff like in the Brood that we talked about, like those deep Oliver Reed, like these intense, powerful, crazy performances. Right. And this Kaitel performance is like, how do you just like 
what do you do the day after this movie stops shooting? When do you wake up and just like, uh, I'm guess, you know, have well, a he, muffin? Yeah, I mean, because he really, it's like one of those things where it's hard to kind of describe, but he just keeps getting more feral and primal Dude, and he's hardly using words by the end of this movie he's really just making noise at the end of the movie grunting and and you're that, just seeing this guy just like all these layers getting stripped off of him while he's yeah dude this just bat- keeps barreling towards this and there's no like end game for him yeah except to get out of this gambling debt <laughs> yeah. that he just keeps doubling down into this guy just oh. keeps making the worst choices this guy is on the bad luck run of his life right and we're seeing it right when it's it's one of those movies that we have a lot of things where a movie starts and things get worse for the characters sure this is one of those few kind of movies that start worse than most characters get in movies well yeah and never comes back it just gets worse there's just new levels of depravity New levels of uncomfort and evil, and just, oh, terrorizing. Ever worsening lieutenant. Yeah, continually yeah. worse <laughs> lieutenant. And it's just on that same, you know, that gambler uh, fallacy is so stressful to me. Mm-hmm. These people that get so deep into it that all they need is, all they're focused on is, well, I'm, I'm due. The next one's got to pay off. The next one's got. It's always going to be the next one. It's always right. going to be the next he, well, one. Well, that's what that's this whole movie is him just watching his three nothing lead in the playoffs dwindle down to a three three tie, and then and him continually alert, betting on the loses. wrong one. Yeah, so he's losing games, but it's always a lock. It's always Daryl Strawberry coming out in the next big game. He's well, he's due. even like trying to play it's both sides, yeah. and then all the advice he's given out to trick people they're the ones winning and he's the one blowing it and then just taking all the worst instincts while trying to game and double dip oh it's all just a folded up series of terrible choices and kaitel just like unwinds throughout it like you said feral and a lot you're seeing a lot of kaitel and i'm not just (laughs) talking about a lot of kaitel that dude is built like a brick shithouse man (laughs) holy cow man that guy is like uh eight sacks of just like punching bags all (laughs) yeah clumped together this is just like a bunch tight like a bunch of porterhouses yeah molded into a human it's intense oh my gosh He, he is yeah harvey kaitel is just this angry drug abusing cop father the normal, totally typical cop. Totally Just typical. a regular Joe amongst cops. Well, he doesn't beat his kids at all, or his wife, so he's not really no. that typical. Yeah, you're right. He is kind of a rare unicorn in that instance. But no, but, but he abuses his power throughout. He, he fires his gun off several times. He steals money from some black kids. The abuses of power in this movie are so shocking. And I think they read... So, as a first-time viewer... Yeah. We've now seen just over the last week how much stuff, how much crime committed by cops has come out in the last week. Stuff that we've never seen before. Stuff that like, oh my God, this is how they act when they know people are filming. Well, yeah, I think uh, after, especially after the infamous scene with the two girls that he pulls over. 
Yeah. I turned to <laughs> I turned and said something to the effect of you couldn't do that nowadays. Yeah. You couldn't get away with that anymore. Uh yeah. No. The the idea of the cell phone being out all the time is maybe the best thing about Yeah. Maybe, honestly, it's like I often think quick tangent. I have to think the internet's not a good idea. <laughs> I know a lot of me really does hate uh, it. Uh it's not really maybe a good idea to give everyone a voice cuz a lot of people don't know how to use their voice correctly. But I- the I really enjoyed the '90s when I didn't have any of the you know. yeah, but but <laughs> but the abundance of of now accountability that you can put upon hopefully hopefully yeah, hopefully that's the idea uh, with with the video that you can get now on the internet maybe that's a good part anyways uh, but yeah tells abuse of power yeah is just and and you can tell so it's shocking. so it's shocking to us watching it but you can tell it's uh, routine for him. Oh, there's a comfort he to it. He he never he he never even blinks when no. asking those teens to give him the money, and then just tells them to get out of there. He never feels like he's out over his skis. There's a point <laughs> he's there, like in his comfort zone in there, this. Yeah, there, there's a part early in the movie where he's just watching a guy break into trunks along yeah. the block, and he's just kind of watching the kid do it. And nothing really comes of it. Yeah. So he's just so kind of crime is just so comfortable and casual to him, mm-hmm. and. At the same time, I think it's like he knows he's untouchable. And, you know, just anyone who's ever done any kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, philosophy uh, education knows about, you know, the prison experiment and oh, how sure. you give someone authority. Zimbardo. It uh, usually doesn't go well. No. And this is just, like I said, all of the abuses of power in this movie are so. And it's not like they're even purposely designed to just get worse and worse. But they just go directions that you just can't imagine them going. All of these are just different nightmare scenarios. The scariest kind of scenarios. Just seeing this cop abuse his authority in so many different unique ways. Well, he's it's, just... Yeah. Uh, he's just the perfect guy to not have a gun. Like, yeah. if anyone should not have a gun, it's this character. Yeah, and, you know, some of the these actions and some of his mannerisms can... You wouldn't have to twist this movie too much to make it seem like satire. Yeah. It sucks that it feels so real. But this isn't that far from something like falling down. Right. Or this isn't too far from like a Lewis Black kind of character. When he shoots the car radio. Yeah, he shoots for his sure. car radio out when like a yeah. when somebody you know strikes out. That's uh yeah. That's like an old Simpsons joke, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so you wouldn't have to go that far. Chief Wiggum but there's nothing funny about this movie. There's nothing. Yeah, could have used a few more laughs. Oh, man, this is... Definitely could have had maybe a moment of levity somewhere in there. We hit some depths. I was genuinely shaken by the sexual assault scenes. These felt especially rough. And I am a guy who's watched more canon film movies than most people. <laughs> right. And those guys threw in rough sexual assault stuff. And But something about this, the artistry behind the, the scene with the nun, all of it was just very hard. And then the, the scene where he pulls over the two girls is... That is one of the longest scenes in film. <laughs> I am convinced that is like a 30-minute scene. That's the, I'm not going to yeah. check any real time stamps. I don't you need to hear that's only six no, minutes. But that's the scene that kind of, for me, that's the one where you lose the sympathy for the, the humanity for yeah. the character. This guy's gone. This guy is just, he is depraved. Yeah. And he's a monster. Again, that's like 
with the drug dealing and stuff, this is not the first time he's done that and abused his power Mm -mm. in that way. Yeah, no part of him is acting like, well, I could try this for the first time. (laughs) Exactly. Like, he knows the angles to work. He knows these routines. He has these scripts down pat. He knows these things to say so well that he can do them while on a cocktail of several different drugs at all times. You never get a sense in this movie of where he is. You don't know where his home base is. You don't know the people he knows. You don't know his relationships to most people in this movie. You don't know where these couches are. You don't know what time of day it is Yeah, a lot of the time. it's in. It just goes day to night. Half the buildings day. he's in are boarded up windows or curtains out. So you don't know if it is midnight or 7 a.m. Right. Like, there are a few timestamps in this movie. And, you know, you know the games are played between a set couple of hours. That's it. Every other time, there's a lot of day or night. But even, like, uh, there's a scene where he wakes up at presumably his house, turns on the game, and it's going. And it's like, was the game playing at breakfast time? Or is that three in the afternoon that he finally woke up from his, you know, bender? I also now got to say... I on a lighter note, you'd mentioned earlier. I love how much baseball we got in this oh, movie, man. and what I love even more because I'm the dork that's sitting there afterwards, going like, I don't remember Daryl Strawberry playing in a playoff series as a Dodger. Like he played in a lot as a Yankee, and he had the famous ones as the in the Mets. But I'm like, I don't remember him as a Dodger in the playoffs. And then you looked at and you're like. Oh yeah, that's it's a they invented a whole seven game playoff series. It's a fake playoffs, fake playoffs. But we get so much baseball talk. I'm into it. This is more baseball talk than Slumber Party Massacre. Oh yeah, for sure. That was just them trying to figure out if, if Ron. Well, they Say knew. Had no, hit they that. knew Ron Say okay, hit a home knew, run. Okay. Well, I obviously know well, Ron Say's Say got hit a the home run. run. Yeah. But this is all about. Man, I love how much Daryl Strawberry it's we got. It's all about Daryl Strawberry. It's crazy. I actually just interviewed this lady like a week ago who drew a portrait of Daryl Strawberry. Had this whole story about it. So I've got a lot of Daryl Strawberry what? going on in my life right now. What a weird thing to come up yeah. in 2020. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like uh, I asked her about her paintings that she'd done because she did these portraits. And then she's like, ah, I did this one series where we all did baseball cards and... Then it uh, went around the country, and Daryl signed it, and blah, blah, blah. Whoa. So I've gotten uh, my fill of strawberries this week. I got to say, I said this earlier, my sister's favorite baseball player was Daryl Strawberry. He played on, you know, we, we saw a lot of National League games, big Giants fans. Sure, sure, sure. And Strawberry was on the Mets and for all the 80s. Then the Dodgers for three or four years. We saw a lot of Giants-Dodger games. And then he played on the Giants for like two months. Yeah. Of years. And we always sat in right field. She loved the name. She would have been, you know, six, seven years old. So the Strawberry Man. The Strawberry. call him. He's actually one of my favorite Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Too. Legend. Daryl Strawberry's that a legend. Ep- that episode is top 10, in my opinion, that baseball episode. But Daryl Strawberry being like the, you got to skip, suck up, <laughs> who beats out Homer is just like, oh, yeah. I love it. I really love it. But I also, I am a guy who has seen a ton of 70s, uh, you know, uh, black exploitation movies. I love the genre. I'm always 
forcing it on people. And you have not heard. You know, you get names like Petey Wheatstraw, you know, or the Human Tornado. Those are cool. But Daryl Strawberry. How cool is that? Yeah. Fred Williamson was the hammer. But, like, Daryl Strawberry. And that's almost too, like, nobody can pull off Daryl Strawberry. (laughs) And here's Daryl Strawberry. Only one man. As our running weird thread through Bad Lieutenant. Those shots of Harvey Keitel just driving New York, listening to the game on his radio. I'm into that. Yeah. I'm into that mood. It it was uh, very fun to, yeah, to kind of follow along and to just see it. I don't know fun is the right word. <laughs> I was having fun listening along because I got to tell you, I miss baseball a lot yeah, right man. now. Uh, and these is, are fake games, so I had no idea what actually happened. Yeah, right, the drama was still there. <laughs> it was real. I, are the are the Dodgers blowing this? Are the Mets oh, coming man. back? And I love the no dude. team has ever come down from a three zero deficit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until and now, I cannot stand Mad Dog. <laughs> as a, he's a, <laughs> as a baseball personality, I'm not in Mad Dog. Yeah, but I genuinely love him in this movie. I love what he adds. I love that. Eric Bogosian talk radio kind of presence coming through a lot of these scenes. Well, he it it sets the tone, and this whole movie is people arguing and bitching with each other, and or doing heroin. So yeah, Mad Dog kind of starting the whole movie and and having that running commentary that's always just combative and yeah, and uh, I I love the man Harvey Keitel has so many great looks. Harvey Keitel's hair alone in this movie. I couldn't oh, yeah. stop watching it. Uh, his move of constantly trying to push his hair back. Man, all of his, his different stages of like. Totally. It was totally, totally cool. Anyway, he can nail slicked back hair. He can nail the part. He can nail the shaggy down to the sides. And we saw every manner of messed up Harvey Keitel hair. And every scene was a godsend. My f- personal favorite was the just sweaty yeah, like man. with the one curl kind of Superman coming down. The Superman sweat spit curl. But it's just like just glistening sweat all over him because yeah, he's man. just so fucking high. Yeah, because his temperature can never quite match up to what the actual <laughs> temp is. Oh, oh my gosh. Man. All of the, the drug use scenes in this movie, we just kept getting deeper in. We haven't even mentioned Zoe Lund, who is one of those like 90s actresses who was famous. Not even an actress. She was just on the scene. One of those right. people that were just famous for using heroin. Just being at the clubs. Yeah, when you can be just a noted noted heroin user. She'd be a good Instagram influencer today. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. It was uh she was in Abel Ferrara's first like you saw Driller Killer, but yeah. Miss Forty Five came after that. That was his more death wish regional hit. That was his maniac, you know? A movie that exceeded box office in in specific markets. Gotcha. And she was the... She was Miss 45. She was. She was the vengeful raped nun. Another theme wow. a decade later. Jeez, Abe. So he <laughs> and she co-wrote this movie, supposedly. Okay. There's debate about that. And she's also uh, in two really great scenes that feel a lot more... I mentioned Actors Studio earlier. It really had that method feel... That well, cinema verite European feel with her scenes, yeah, more well, improvised. When than... I said real time, those were the scenes I was thinking of. Yeah, because you watch him in real time, like doing. Yeah, heroin, the needle. The needle scene is 
is wild. Takes a long time. You remember just two years later how controversial the Pulp Fiction heroin scene was. Mm. Which is like, it was big. You know, the blood rushing in and John Travolta, you know. People were fainting in the theater. Dude, how many, how long was this needle just jabbered into inner elbows? That... (sighs) Zoe Ellen was like working Ugh. it into her veins, man. No. And then she's no. doing, then it's just hanging out of uh, Kaitel's arm, you know, just, oh my gosh. Like it was more intense than like train spotting to me. Oh, yeah. As far as actual drug use. But that, you get that and ridiculously dark. high other plane level of philosophy where she's just talking about vampires, you know, all leading up to. Ferrara making his own vampire movie mm. about heroin usage five years later, the addiction. And so she's already uh, prefacing that. And you just get these full, but we get that earlier scene, which is like, again, another Kaitel in somebody who's very familiar with him's kitchen. And she's just shooting the breeze with him kind of while he's smoking some, some black tar heroin, you know, all in real time. Very strange. And there is other real time in this movie, but this is the stuff that really feels played out at same level. Right. I love the way, you know, movies like a recent example would be something like Roma, which I really loved and had a lot of camera angles from an at-person level. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was filmed dead on at, you know, human eye level. And this movie had a lot of that same kind of edge of the room, across the street, eye-level view into, you know, very busy, very crowded. Like, you're not always getting a clear shot. Right. And it even has that feel in these cramped kitchens or torn-up living rooms or squat houses. Like, you're all just this tight space, and you're watching it from from your level. And yeah. it just, it's that way of putting you in a movie, and none of this movie is a spot you want to be. It's... It's very confining. Yeah. yeah. You feel like trapped. Definitely. Uh, especially at the end there where the other big real time scene is him in the church and just yeah. that same scene where you're on, you're kind of on, he's on the floor begging, you know, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, pleading, trying to find some salvation and you're sitting on the floor at his level watching it. Yeah. You're on the ground. Yeah. And yeah, that when, when, that's really the only brief bit of levity we get in this movie. That's the tiny redemption arc. That's his, that is his, like, that's him. I mean, he let it out so well. Yeah. And it's a lot. And it can be, you know, depending on your mood, it can come off like him. It's a Pacino kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a big performance. It is laying it out there and it can come off hammy because, you know, we can all come off hammy. If I had video of me during some serious argument, I bet there's moments I look cool and other moments where I'm like, well, you looked, you you sounded like a dummy right there. (laughs) And so I like that honest, open-faced realism that he brings to it where it's not perfect and it sounds too improvised sometimes and it's choppy, but man, he sounded open and raw and genuinely sorry. Yeah, yeah. He sounded sorry. And as a former Catholic, I could tell you it felt very genuine to uh, God, Catholic guilt. Catholicism and seems exhausting. The, the you know the 
there is that little bit of it too. I mean, there's a lot of church stuff, but his own relationship to to the church and to religion and yeah. seeing his uh, kids getting communion and stuff. But at the same time, uh, yeah, so he's got that background as well. Oh my god. And gosh. it's a crushing, <laughs> it is a crushing religion. And it's like, it, I mean, you don't understand if you don't know growing up what it's like <laughs> to be told that you're going to hell yeah. for saying, for thinking bad thoughts. That's a tough one, man. It's so hard. That's it a messes tough one up for a little so kid. many minds, man. And so you could, I feel like, I feel like this is one of those where it's like, yeah, he had so many people who knew him and could be there for him. It's like, if he just gone to therapy or <laughs> this is like, he needs, this guy is he so, needs like a retreat. Yeah. This guy is so you know? far gone into these depths, but he is so close. He's not that, you know, is so close. And I think that There's is a, a part of him who wants to be good Lieutenant. Yeah. Well, no, if not even that, I don't necessarily think he wants that. He doesn't seem like a guy who wants that very much until that scene. Uh, but this also does play in realism. I know we've done some joking, but some of these cops, like, oh, like there's that question of why did they get into this? Mm. Is it Did somebody get into it wanting to help, or are they people that wanted to have power? Did he do this because he wanted a gateway to this life, or did he wind up going into this life right too many of them have to ask that maybe not to this level but too many of them did they start out wanting to do this or did they just want an excuse to push people around and live on that kind of edge whatever it might be i don't get it and this feels like as much as we joked about it being a documentary like that kind of power can corrupt even that smaller amount of power over smaller people, that can tempt and corrupt quick. And this movie is nothing but two hours of that corruption. And it's it hits me so hard. I don't know why I keep putting myself through this. <laughs> I don't know why I forced it upon you, first time viewer. It was a it, it, yeah. It was it's a hard hitting movie, and uh, I think there is yeah. I think at the end it's it is kind of a question of. What is his idea of justice, and yeah. why is he pursuing it in this realm, but not in his own life? Yeah, you know he's been very unjust to people. It's really so it's tough. Kind of like, how can you seek justice for this other person when you yourself are not practicing what you preach? Or, or... it's really tough to make a movie about a character who you can't totally define his code. Sure, yeah. Definitely. You don't really know all of his motivations. You know a lot of his life is geared up towards his gambling. But he seems to have other revenue streams or people that know him well enough to supply him with drugs. So he has some pots on the fire. But it's so tough to make a character that you want to watch for this long without really predicting his moral codes. You don't totally know why he does all what he does. So many of these movies work because they establish a line that their character won't cross. You know, Charles Bronson in Death Wish wasn't just killing anybody he came across. Right. He had specific rules in mind. Even a gritty, gross movie like The Exterminator 
The guy had specific reasons to go after the bad people that he went after. Mm-hmm. This guy, you don't really know. <laughs> he doesn't. He does seem to have a lot of allegiances, but also you feel like he could turn on literally any person at any time. This guy operates on no discernible specific kind of code. Right. And that's scary and intense because you don't know the depths. And he doesn't know the depths. He has to be stopped. And he doesn't realize he's this monster. The movie has such great color. It's dim. I mean by color, so much local, authentic feel. Right, right. You get a lot of great New York actors. Like, we get a few good Victor Argo scenes, who's another Abel Ferrara guy, another New York guy. And he's another guy on the force who almost seems like Kaitel's buddy. You know, he's the one who, like, has his back. And... You could see him having a similar life yeah. of his own. Yeah. Yeah, these people seem like... There's a lot of looks in the faces of some of these other cops that they recognize something. Right. They recognize not only a behavior, but it's familiar. There's an understanding. And there's a those few scenes are also just always kind of scary. Those kind of boys club, different world environments. Yeah, I was going to say for him being such a bad lieutenant, he seems to have... His job still. You yeah, know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's like, you need to get your act together. There's no way that he's never had a complaint filed against him the way he does <laughs> yeah. things, you know? Yeah. And even when he gets into it a bit with other with his coworkers in the few scenes we have of it, it's just part of like a, hey, you know, there's going to be some scraps. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to get in. We're not going to see eye to eye on everything. All right. But nobody's disrespecting or thinking he's doing a lesser job. That's scary. And the way it felt not exaggerated while watching it was scary. Yeah. But I I respect this movie. And uh, it's one of the... I love Abel Ferrara. And I there's a lot of his work that is questionable. But I think his peaks, the three movies that I mentioned, and something like Body Snatchers yeah. uh, in 93, I think his peaks speak for themselves. And he has his critics. But... I liked the rawness that I got out of this for its warts and all. Uh, I'm, I'm into this. And it feels, again, I hate to say this about, you know, this is why we did it. It feels too relevant to something that can be happening right now. We see a lot of these agitated, boiling over policemen. And we're seeing it more and more. So this felt too real. Again, it felt so exaggerated in 92. And now it feels like, geez, this isn't nothing is exploitative about this. This could be a guy. Whew, it hits me hard. It's a movie that, that sits with me. Pulls no punches. Yeah. No, no this is a uh, 10 round yeah. heavyweight match, <laughs> this movie. No doubt about it. Uh, you even get a shot of Evander Holyfield on a banner oh, yeah. in front of Trump, Trump Plaza. Plaza. Ad. It, wasn't in, it wasn't in Atlantic. It was a big old banner ad banner on the way the, down to the yeah. subway. <sighs> but yeah. Like, can't get away that. from it. And yeah. Oh well. But it's it's a great film. It's it's Ferrara's best. I don't think that's uh and I'm a big fan of the guy. If this you're is, like me and you were scared to watch it, you know, no better time than now. That fear's somewhat justifiable, but this is a powerful movie and it does not have an empty message. There you go. This is not exploitative in a way that this is not a revenge uh psycho bloody thriller. Right. You know, this movie does have a message whether you agree with that 
or not. It is not just empty trash for trash's sake. It's it's tough. It's difficult. But I think it's really great, and I think it hits the mark most of the way. So I, I respect it a lot, as hard as it is. And where are you, first-time viewer? Uh, It's a hard movie, yeah. It's something like, uh, you know, A Requiem for a Dream or something where you're like, Probably won't need to watch it again. Yeah. I respect the art and uh, the message of just, uh, yeah, the the depths that you can go to when things are unchecked. It's really I think s- that's what, to me, that's what's, it's like, how could it get this bad? Yeah. With his drug use, how does he get that far down the hole where he's really having to do drugs every scene? His uh, just gambling debt, how could it get this bad? And then, like... Make that the whole kind of overlapping thing. <laughs> and that's what I'm asking myself when I watch stuff on the internet this week when I see police rioting. Yeah. And I go, how could it get this bad? Well, it's been unchecked. It's been unchecked. The Any movie or any real-life situation that showcases the depths of human depravity, the places that we can go, frightens me. And watching something like this, even as a movie, but being confronted with this vision of how depth, how deep one man can get. You know, watching it, that we're closer to something in that guy's position than we are to set-for-life millionaire who doesn't really need the political climate to be in his favor. You know, the people that would like to have financial benefits but from their politicians, but they got enough to survive either way. It's the other people that could be thrown into chaos. And we're quick. We're more close to those people Definitely. than the comfortable fat cats. Yeah. And that the chaos adds a sure. different level of fright to this kind of depravity. Cause we don't, we don't see him when he was not a bad Lieutenant. Right. We don't see him slip into something accidentally. Yeah. He's already way into it. Yeah. Our first shot of him. He is deep. Yeah. We never see, like, you know, respected lieutenant. We don't get that. You don't even see, like, a old photo of him, of him on the wall. like <laughs> No. Or there's no sign of who this right. guy ever was. Yeah. He's, for all we know, there's no evidence this dude existed for the previous <laughs> 45 years of his life. Other than his 30 children. <laughs> <laughs> who range in age from... 32 to yeah. a baby. He has a baby a and baby. like a 47-year-old. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, everybody in this movie could be one of his children. It is, there are so many kids. It's so confusing yeah. when he wakes up on the couch and there's two girls there. And I'm like, well, he has two sons in the first scene. So he's also got two daughters. Holy shit. Yeah. Have and Aunt, see- you know, Janie or whatever it was. Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the only actual relative name, like <laughs> title we get. Everybody else is just a person sitting kind of too close on a couch. <laughs> good grief. God. But oh, I man. love it. It's so good. I think it's such a powerful movie. Um, I'm glad you got to see it. Yeah. I, I, think it, I think it's a kind of movie that hits harder in a time like this. And I think any time your life can benefit from a movie like and its place in time, I think, is a perfect time to see it. So I think I think this movie will hit you bigger right, right. now. If nothing else, it teaches you never bet on the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. 
What a bunch of clowns. <laughs> bunch of bums. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. It came to this. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Eric, for showing me this movie. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. So. This was... This was tough, but I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we did it, yeah. (laughs) I I enjoyed the discussion. So hope you guys liked it, and uh, thank you. Good night.